gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome. We are doing a different thing we're doing tonight. It is going to be just me on here. I am Donald Wine. I am a co-manager of Stars and Stripes FC, and this is going to be an individual podcast we call Life in 118. Why Life in 118? Well, it's just going to be me here giving some of the facts about issues facing the United States men's national team, the U.S. women's national team, even some of the youth teams or anything facing American soccer today. But it's just going to be me. We, we have this SB Nation podcast network, as we alluded to on the Stars and Stripes SC podcast. This is going to be under that umbrella. Stephanie will also have an individual podcast that's coming soon. But for now, it's just going to be me. On this one, Life in 118 is going to be the name, at least for now, until I change it. But it is going to be where I talk to you guys. It's it's a little different than I'm used to because normally I have someone speaking back to me. We have a dialogue. We have a conversation. But it's just going to be me, and I'm going to at least present what I think um, uh, of some issues facing U.S. soccer, uh, some issues facing American soccer, and you guys will be able to react later, but there will be some some times where I will allow you guys to submit questions. I'll, I'll we'll, fa- we'll we'll do it on our Facebook or or Twitter, and we will make sure that we get some of the questions that you guys have on your chest. Um, we'll get them answered, and, and we can get moving. But for now, this is Life in One One Eight. It's a brand new individual podcast that is part of the Stars and Stripes FC network, which is part of the SB Nation podcast network. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad to be here. It's a, it's a Thursday morning. Uh, I'm recording this early Thursday morning, and it will probably be something that we bring to you every Thursday for your commute in. And we want to get started. So why don't we get started with a couple of things? First of all, we have the Gold Cup provisional roster. We'll talk about that first. We'll then get into the U-20 World Cup, um, which begins tomorrow, uh, if you're listening to this on Thursday. And we will also talk a little bit about the women's national team and the send-off match that they have this Sunday uh, in New Jersey. So let's get started with the Gold Cup roster. Okay, guys, so the Gold Cup roster uh, on Monday, uh, Greg Berhalter released, uh, or I guess CONCACAF released, the 40-man provisional roster for this next month's Gold Cup. It starts on June 15th. Uh, The U.S. kicks off on June 18th. But we have a 40-man roster, and from there, this roster, we will be reduced to 23 names on June 6th. Now... What does that mean for the 40 guys? There is going to be a lot of guys coming in and out of camp over the next couple of weeks. Camp in camp begins on Sunday in Annapolis, Maryland. That is close to where I live. I live in Washington, D.C., so hopefully I'll be able to get out there and maybe be able to view a training while, I, while they are here. Uh, what they're going to do is they're going to do a combined camp with the U-23s, uh, which is kind of interesting to do. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but... I want to start with the actual roster. Now, 40 names on this list. There are five goalkeepers, Brad Guzan, Ethan Horvath, Sean Johnson, Tyler Miller, and Zach Steffen. Now, from this list, we know that Zach Steffen is the proverbial number one, and it is a question of whether guys like Ethan Horvath, which is probably number two, Sean Johnson, Brad Guzan, and Tyler Miller, who are going to round out the three goalkeepers that 
Greg Berhalter will keep as we get to the 23-man roster. Now, I'm going to say this because you may call me a homer, um, but I'm speaking facts here. Brad, uh, uh, Bill Hamid, D.C. United's keeper, who has been statistically the best goalkeeper in MLS since he returned to D.C. United last August, he should be on this roster. Now, you can argue whether or not he should be on the 23-man roster. You can argue whether he should be the number one, number two, number three goalkeeper. But no one should be able to argue that Bill Hamid is not one of the five goalkeepers named to this list. Now, you could say who we replace. Obviously, people go to that. You know, Sean Johnson, Tyler Miller, uh, Brad Kuzan have been statistically lower than Bill Hamid since Bill Hamid got back. Tyler Miller has come on late with LAFC's emergence uh, as one of the best teams in MLS, if not the best team so far on the 2019 season. But Bill Hamid should be there. And I think that is something that people talk about playing out of the back. They talk about other things that he that uh, that Bill Hamid has been facing. But really, it comes down to stopping shots, being a goalkeeper first and foremost. And I think Bill Hamid is one of the best, if not the best, goalkeeper that we have out there. He should be out there competing with these five guys to see who really is the number one goalkeeper for the United States men's national team. He should be out there competing to see if he is that guy or if other guys are ahead of him. Uh, but there should have been that competition, in my opinion. Now, having said that, Zach Steffen is, a, is, is the guy... Um, and I think he is going to be the one that starts most, if not all, of the games for the U.S. in the Gold Cup. The question will be which of Tyler Miller, Brad Guzan, Ethan Horvath, and Sean Johnson join him on the 23-man roster. On defenders, there's a lot of defenders on here. There's 15 defenders on this 40-man roster. I think it's going to be reduced to maybe 7 or 8, maybe 9, uh, depending on how... Uh, Greg Berhalter wants to utilize some of these players in his kind of hybrid back line that he has, where he has his right back uh, kind of trend into the middle to become more of a center defense mid at times. That's why Tyler Miller, or I'm sorry, Tyler Adams um, is listed here as a defender, because I think he is going to occupy that right back position, uh, especially with DeAndre Yedlin uh, missing the World Cup or missing the Gold Cup because of uh, of a surgery that he had done uh, just a couple days ago on his groin. I, I think in the end, Tyler Adams is going to be that guy that ends up starting. But there's a lot of names on here that you may have heard of over the last year. Reggie Cannon, Cameron Carter-Vickers, uh, Greg Garza, uh, who was just recently injured. And it's a question of whether he will be ready for the Gold Cup. Uh, Andrew Gutman, an interesting pick for the 40-man roster. He plays for the Charlotte Independents on loan from Celtic. He was the Herman Trophy winner last year. Uh, uh, that is the best keeper, or best player in college soccer. Uh, he played at Indiana and eventually wanted to sign um, abroad. He His MLS rights were owned by the Chicago Fire. He decided to sign with Celtic. Uh, there was a little bit of a snafu early in his career. He signed with Celtic. They wanted to loan him to Nashville SC, who is, as you guys know, joining MLS next year. Andrew Gutman wanted to go to Nashville. He was on loan there, uh, but MLS, MLS nixed the deal because of Nashville eventually being in MLS. They didn't want him to circumvent the rights that Chicago Fire had with Gutman in MLS. So that, tr- that loan was null and void. 
He goes back to Celtic and eventually lands with the Charlotte Independents and has been uh, very good so far in the USL Championship. But it's interesting to see a USL Championship player listed among these 40 guys. Um, and it will be interesting to see if he eventually makes a cut. He's a left back. We always have issues with left back. We've, we've tried to find a left back of the future for quite a while now, as you all know. It'll be interesting to see if he can make that cut. Now, there are some left backs here on the roster that have have been in the mix over the last couple of years, um, namely Daniel Lovitz from Mon- the Montreal Impact, Anthony Robinson from Everton. Tim Ream can play left back. He's done it in the past, and he is one of those older guys, one of the oldest guys on this roster. And it'll be interesting to see which of those guys eventually gets the start or even makes the cut uh, under Greg Berhalter. Moving on to the midfielders, oh, we got to talk about one guy, Michael Bradley. Of course, this is a hot fire uh, uh, name. A lot of people hate him. A lot of people love him. But one thing about Michael Bradley is that he elicits a lot of conversation and debate about whether or not he should be in the mix for the men's national team, whether he should be in the mix for starting, whether he should be the captain, and so forth. But let me say this. Every time Michael Bradley steps on the field, um, he is – one of the best players on the field. He may not play well, and a lot of people harp on the fact that he didn't play well in one game in Trinidad. And I will tell you, I was at that game in Trinidad. I was in Cuba. I was on the fence begging to let these guys know that they need to step it up or we would miss out in the World Cup. Yes, he was on that field. Yes, he didn't play well that day. But Michael Bradley is one of the best midfielders that we have, especially in the center defense. And you guys may not like that. You guys may not appreciate that. But it is what it is, and and with this pool, you need to have veterans who are able to be there to help some of these young guys along. They can't do it themselves, and when we talk about guys like Weston McKinney and Christian Pulisic, even Christian Roldan, like, these guys are going to be our future. They are our present. They are some of the best players we have. They are phenomenal. I love watching these guys play, but you have to have some veteran leadership, and you can't do it with just a lot of young kids. We just can't. No team has ever won with just youngsters. They've all had some veterans to be there along the way. They may not play, but they are there. And I think Michael Bradley provides that presence that we need uh, for the midfielders to kind of gel and move forward. Because here's the thing. Someone's going to have to beat him. Someone's going to have to be better than him. And we can't just give roster spots to people who aren't better than him. Michael Bradley is one of the best guys we have in the midfield, especially in the center defense, and we're going to need him down the stretch, whether it be his leadership or his on-field play. Michael Bradley is a is guy we could be useful during this Gold Cup. So it'll be interesting to see if he makes it. I think he will because Greg Berhalter rates him very well, uh, but it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. On the forwards, there's another guy who obviously is a hot-button topic of debate and that is Josie Altidore. Josie Altidore um, when he plays he is on fire. He is he's only played five games this year due to injury uh, in MLS for Toronto FC but he scored five goals and added three assists. The guy is on fire when he plays. The question is will he be healthy? Right now he is not but I think by the time the Gold Cup starts he will be healthy enough that Greg Berhalter gives him a chance and I think that is what we need because Again, we talk about Michael Bradley and his his quality. Josie Alcidor is the best forward that we have in the United States men's national team player pool, period. There's nobody better 
than him. And and I love a lot of the guys that we have. A lot of the young guys we have on here, like Josh Sargent, Jordan Morris. You know, he he scores goals. Um, I, I don't rate him as high as Josh Sargent, but Jordan Morris does score goals, and and he has scored some important goals for the United States men's national team in the past, namely against Mexico. And in the last Gold Cup, he scored the game winner against Jamaica um, back in 2017. So it'll be interesting to see if, who makes it from this group because a lot of these guys in Burhalter's system are wingers. Um, and we have this Tyler Boyd who just uh, declared uh, a one-time switch from New Zealand to the United States men's national team. He plays in Turkey. He has been on fire in Turkey the last few weeks. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can work his way into the mix, but it'll be the first time that this team kind of comes together and we see who are the best 23 guys that we have. This training camp that we have coming up where we mix with some of the U23 internationals is going to give us a great experience to, for players to really compete to see who is going to be not just the now, but the future. Uh, with the 23 guys, uh, the 21 guys, uh, I should say, uh, that are coming in next week, Included in that, we have some old guys like Omar Gonzalez, um, Tim Ream, and then we have some younger guys, Cameron Carter-Vickers, Marlon Fossey from Fulham, uh, Anthony Robinson, the uh, aforementioned, Andrew Goodman, Dwayne Holmes from Derby County, uh, Jonathan Amon from Norgeland in Denmark. These are guys who are going to compete, and I think that's what a lot of us want to do. In the end, we all have our choices on who we want to be a part of the U.S. men's national team and this Gold Cup roster. But one thing that we want, I think everyone can agree on, is that we want guys who are going to compete, Who we want guys who are going to play hard for that crest, for our flag, for our country, for our fans, and we want guys who are going to really just ball out and succeed. No matter what the, 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 the lineup is, no matter what the formation is, no matter what the game plan is, they are going to execute and they're going to play hard and and leave it all out in the field every single match. Because in the stands, we're doing the same thing. At home, you guys are doing the same thing. Online, you guys are doing the same thing. We're giving our all because we want this team to succeed. We may joke about it. We may you know crack jokes about uh, how the, the lack of success we've had over the last couple years. But it's because we want this team to be stronger. We want this team to be better. We want this team to improve in all facets of the game and I think we will see if these guys are up to the task in this gold cup because this gold cup is right for the taking and we're one of the best no matter what has happened over the last few years we are still one of the best teams in CONCACAF I believe that to the bottom of my being and I think that these guys believe it too they just have to go out there and show it this is their opportunity to do it we'll see if it happens next month to shift gears to the U.S. Uh, U-20s because the U-20 World Cup will take place starting tomorrow uh, in Poland. And we have 21 guys who uh, are the wave of the future. There are some guys on here that you may have heard of. And it's interesting how this has evolved over the last, I want to say, three or four to six years because 
Back in 2015 at the Women's World Cup in Canada, I remember staying up late to watch the U-20s play in a knockout stage. We had heard of some of these guys. We had There are some guys who had never graced uh, the corners of the internet that we roamed on back then. But it was something where you say, hey, some of these guys might make it. Some of these guys are going to be there, and maybe we see some on the national team in the future. Now we're looking at this roster, and we're seeing guys who have either appeared for the national team, the senior national team, or are really close to making it on their own. And they're guys that you've heard of. People have been uh, keeping track of them. The youth movement has been strong, and people are keeping up with them. A lot of the guys you see play, they're playing in MLS. They're playing at Bundesliga. They're playing uh, at Barcelona in the case of Conrad De La Fuente. Uh, he's obviously not playing on the senior team, but he's playing on their uh, their youth team and is just kicking ass and taking names. And I think that that gives you guys – it gives me so much hope for the future. I'm sure it does for you as well. There are some guys that you need to pay attention to when this – U-20 World Cup starts uh, tomorrow. The U.S. will play um, later on on Saturday, uh, and then they'll play again on Monday and then uh, on May 30th. So the, a couple guys you need to take a look at. Sergino Dest, he plays at Ajax. He's on their youth team but is poised to make a jump, hopefully to the senior team in the next year or so. He is the real deal when it comes to defenders. He has been very, very consistent and has, has been playing at a maturity level well beyond his 18 years of age. So someone to look out there. Julian Araujo, he just joined the national team uh, from LA Galaxy. He was uh, not on the original 21-man roster, but uh, Ayo Akinola uh, from Toronto FC pulled out due to injury. Araujo is in as a defender, and let's be clear, guys, he could be one of our best right backs, if not the best right back in the system. He is a guy to watch, and he's only 17 years old. This is, I mean, this is crazy. We're talking about a U-20 World Cup. And we're talking about kids who are 17, 18, 19 years old who are making names for themselves. Um, Julian Rajo is one of those guys. The captain is going to be Mark McKenzie. Philadelphia Union, he has appeared on the national team uh, once. He played uh, back at January camp. But this guy is a guy who has been improving steadily um, throughout the you know last couple of years. And he is going to be a guy that you hear about in the future. Could he be? Uh, one of our defensive uh, players in the future on the national team? Sure, absolutely. He has that talent, and it'll be interesting to see how he plays in this World Cup as he leads a team. Uh, we always are looking for leaders, and if he can lead this team deep into the U-20 World Cup, it's going to be nothing but great things for him going forward. Chris Durkin, my man, Chris Durkin, uh, 19 years of age. He plays for D.C. United, my local team, uh, and he has been on, you know, really, really emerged over the last couple of years. He has been on the U-17 national team. He's played on the U-20 national team. He has played a lot of games for these guys, and he is willing to, he's ready to showcase what he can do on an international stage to the world because there has been a lot of teams who have been coming at DC United trying to sign him for cheap. If he goes off in this U-20 World Cup, he could stay at DC United and get it and earn a big salary bump, or they could sell him for a huge chunk overseas to a, a, a European club. And that way Chris Durkin can take the next step in his career uh, abroad. And so that'll be interesting to see. One guy that you guys have, will have heard over the last year, you've heard his name several times, 
Tim Weah. Tim Weah is on this team. He asked to be on this uh, U-20 national team. He was playing at Celtic on loan from Pierre Saint-Germain. Uh, he wanted to play in the U-20 national team to kind of, one, just go nuts and try and see how many goals he can score because this guy can score in bunches. And you guys have seen it both on the national team and with Celtic. He's even scored uh, on the first team at PSG. He is a kid who is ready to make the leap to a new club where he can be uh, more than just a a bench player, more than just a guy who comes off the bench and does something for 15 minutes. He wants to start. He wants to play. He wants to make an impact on the game. And he absolutely has the tools to do so. So it'll be interesting to see how he plays in this World Cup because he is going to be one that the rest of these guys look up to because he has had that first team experience, not just at PSG, but with the national team. It's going to be a fun tournament. Uh, it's always fun to watch the youth play. Uh, remember, the uh, you can watch on FS1. You can watch on FS2. Uh, if you want to watch in Spanish, Universo is going to have all the games. The U.S. starts on Friday against Ukraine, 2.30 p.m. on the East Coast, FS1 and Universo. They will also play Memorial Day against Nigeria at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. That is also on FS1 and Universo. They conclude group play on May 30th against Qatar, 2.30 p.m. on the East Coast, FS2 in English, Universo in Spanish. So get ready to watch this team. I mean, before you had to kind of find the end of the internet to find an illegal stream to watch these guys play, and now you can watch it on the big networks. So make, make, make a play. Go in, watch the games. Let's see what the future of the U.S. men's national team has in store for us in Poland at the U-20 World Cup. And finally, guys, we want to end this uh, individual podcast, Life of 118. And thank you guys for listening if you've made it this far. Uh, we try to, we're going to try and keep this a little shorter than what we normally do when it's Stephanie and I on the main podcast. This is going to be something that kind of whets your appetite and keeps you focused uh, as we enter the weekend and also as we get ready for uh, the Women's the women's World Cup. Um, that is coming to you starting on June 7th. It's going to be in France. I am going to be there for the whole tournament. I am so excited to get out to France to follow the number one team in the world, uh, the best team uh, in the world, and the team that is the proverbial favorite to defend their title and get a fourth Women's World Cup title. Uh, they conclude their send-off series. They started on May 12th, Mother's Day. They started in Santa Clara. They then moved on to St. Louis on May 16th and will conclude on Sunday in Harrison, New Jersey at Red Bull Arena. They will take on Mexico. Uh, Mexico is not a team that uh, theoretically we should be worried about. It will be a chance for the fans there to celebrate this team and, and, to, and to give them one final hurrah as they move on to France and the Women's World Cup. I hope you guys are trying to tune into this World Cup because it's going to be uh, dynamic in the sense that obviously the, the women are the favorites, but there's also a few teams out there that are poised to try and make a jump and try to take down the champs. you got France, the hosts. Um, it, it, they're one of the best teams in the world. They have played the United States very well. The last time they played the United States was back in January in Le Havre, and they won. They won badly. They, they killed them, and, and that was a, a, a sure confidence boost to their team and their morale and their fans as they try to keep 
the Women's World Cup on French soil and become the first nation to hold both the men's and women's World Cup champions at the same time. We're obviously trying to knock that down. A potential quarterfinal in Paris on June 28th could be the answer to whether France or the United States ends up in Lyon in the final on July 7th. There's another team that you have to watch out for, and that's Australia. Australia has played the United States supremely tough over the last few years. Before France beat us in January, the only team to have beaten us in the last two years was Australia, and that was back in the Tournament of Nations in 2017. Now, they can still do that. They still have the great players. Samantha Kerr is one of the best players in the world, and she plays for Australia, is going to be a team to watch. And finally, England. England is one of those wildcard teams. They can beat anybody. They can also, you know, be a team that is inconsistent. But when it comes to their moxie and their strength, they have a lot of great players, and they're going to be a team to watch. So hopefully you guys are going to be tuning in. There is a lot of soccer going on in the next couple of months. Um, so get your rest now because once the U-20 World Cup starts, we're going to have games. And then after that, bam, we're going right into the men's national team in the Gold Cup and the Women's World Cup is going to be one of the best summers for soccer in a long time. I hope you guys are ready for it because I know I'm ready for it. So that's going to conclude uh, tonight's uh, first episode of Life in 118. This is, again, the individual podcast. I will be trying to do this every week. And when there's stuff that comes and hits the fan, we're going to bring it to you. And we're going to try and give it to you in a way whether it's via the website, starsandstripesfc.com, whether it's through Instagram uh, or Twitter or Facebook, follow us at all of those sites because the content that we're going to try and bring to you over the next month is going to be nothing we've ever done before. We're going to be trying some things. We're going to be giving you a lot of content, and hopefully you'll be able to consume it all for questions, for email, for, for any concerns. You know, Again, follow us on Twitter. Send us, a, send us some questions. Send us some you know, comments on how we're doing. And, and whenever you read an article, there's always the comments page uh, at section at the bottom of each article. Feel free to join our community and keep the conversation going. That's going to do it for tonight. Uh, I'm glad that you guys are listening. If you've made it this far, thank you so much. Uh, and as we continue to do this, I'm going to try and get better because that is what I strive to do every time. Get better. And, and that hopefully that moxie will probably uh, hopefully translate to the men's national team and the women's national team this summer. Each day, let's get better as a nation, as a soccer footballing nation, and let's get going because the summer is hot. So, for everyone here at Star Stretch FC, I am Donald Blind. This is Life on One One Eight. I'll talk to you guys soon.